Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Scott Luton and special guest Allison Giddens here with you on Supply Chain. Now, welcome to today's live stream. Allison, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Happy Monday. Wonderful, wonderful. Very happy Monday. Great weekend. It's going to be a beautiful but hot week here in the metro Atlanta area, right? Uh, our Atlanta Braves, folks, if you're keeping score at home, they swept the talented Milwaukee Brewers, Allison. The Brewers were in first place, at least over the weekend, so it was a good weekend for our Atlanta sports team. But um, we've got a big show teed up here today, don't we, Allison? We do. Lots of good stuff on the radar. Lots of good stuff, right? So, folks, we're going to talk about some of the leading news stories across global business here today. But we're also um, here on today's Supply Chain Buzz going to be learning Allison's expertise and point of view uh, and perspective, especially when it comes to the manufacturing industry. Uh, Allison's going to be sharing three key trends that got to be on your radar. Uh, if you're a business leader, if you're a supply chain pro, you name it, uh, stemming from what's going on in manufacturing. So, Allison, we are excited. Um, and, folks, as always, Supply Chain Buzz, a live show that comes at you every Monday at 12 noon Eastern time. So if you're listening to this maybe on the podcast replay, we invite you to come check us out uh, and join us live on one of your social media channels of your choosing each Monday at 12 noon. Now, Allison, give me one, uh, give me one highlight, other than we've already talked about the Atlanta Braves over the weekend. Give me one other highlight to your weekend. Uh, oh man, I, I didn't really have an exciting weekend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, let's just say the laundry is not nearly <laughs> as piled high as it was. Hey, laundry is exciting these days when you get a chance to shut things down, step away from email and the phone and text and all that stuff and do laundry. That's funny. Um, all right. So folks, what, tell us about your weekend. What was one of your highlights of your weekend? We want to hear from you. So give us your take, whether it's something fun or something related to some of these news stories we're going to be tackling. Give us your take in the cheap seats, aka the skybox, the comment section, whatever you want to call it. Uh, look forward to weaving that in throughout the show. Okay, so let's say hello to a few folks. Uh, Allison, man, we got a packed house here today. Josh Goody from Seattle says good morning and happy Monday and end of month for everybody. Great to see well, you, Josh. Right. How are we seven months into the year? Isn't that unbelievable? Joseph is tuned in from Sonoma, California. I wonder what the weather is like out in Sonoma, California. Allison, any guesses? Take a, a guess in the dark in terms of the temperature. It's, it's a dry heat. It's a dry heat. <laughs> okay. Uh, David's tuned in from Kenya via LinkedIn. Great to see you, David. Uh, welcome, welcome. Oh, Gino is back with us. Gene Pledger from North Alabama. Great to see you. Uh, Audrey tuned in via LinkedIn. Audrey, let us know where you're dialed in from. Great to see you here today. Catherine says, hey, for her weekend, she ran her first 5K in Birmingham and went to a spin class. I feel so unproductive now. <laughs> Allison, I, I feel like I just Thanks, burned. Thanks, Catherine. <laughs> I feel like I just burned 57 calories reading that, uh, That what Catherine's weekend was like. So keep up the great work as always. Joshua, hey, great to see you there. Uh, as always, uh, Joshua, part of the Supply Chain Now fam, great to see you via LinkedIn. 
Mom is tuned in. That's right, Lee Luton. Uh, the one only Lee Luton from Aiken, South Kakalaki. Great to see you, Mom. Love you. Uh, John from Marietta. Jenny from Columbia uh, via LinkedIn. Great to see everybody. All right. Full house today, Allison. We got to get to work, you know? Yes, we do. We do. So I want to share a cut. You know, we love uh, offering up resources to folks. It's one of our, the charges we take seriously. Resources for advancing your organization or advancing your, 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 your profession, your career. And in some cases, resources to take, get some downtime with, right? Some downtime. So I'm going to bring up this graphic here, if it will cooperate. Oh, my graphics. My graphics package isn't working. You know what this is? This is live television, everybody. It, it, That's what this is. Sometimes that happens. Let me try it one more time here. We're going to try to uh, work this one more time. Folks, hey, sometimes our computers don't like Monday mornings either. So let's see if this works. Ah, there we go. There we go. There we go. All right. So, folks, back to my resources segue. So if you want some, if you want to look for, find a good movie to watch, right? And you've kind of run through your Netflix uh, list, all, you know, everything's used up, low supply. Check out this Blackberry uh, movie that came out I don't know, within the last week or two. Allison, we've already established you didn't have a Blackberry, right? No, I did not. I didn't have a Blackberry either. I had the Palm Pilot Treo, if you remember the Treo, T-R-E-O. And I thought, as I shared with you pre-show, I thought I was a hot shot with that thing. And I'll tell you. Allison, as you'll learn, for anyone that watches the movie, a uh, little inside baseball here. Initially, the BlackBerry was going to market, and it was entitled the Pocket Link. The Pocket Link. Oh, I and didn't when they, know that. <laughs> and when they hired their first CEO to run the company, uh, who took a portion of the equity, he said, we got to get a new name. And thus was born BlackBerry. And, and to learn the rest of the story, huh. as Paul Harvey would say, you got to check out the movie. So, Allison, uh, add it to your movie watching list. How's that sound? I will. I will in all of my spare time. I will add that. <laughs> okay. You have to play it in the background. It does look good. Yeah, it making does. Making things happen. Hey, speaking of moms, the one and only. Look who it is. Uber talented. Donna Krejci is with us here today. Hey, Allison's mom is here too, representing K-Town. She says, of course, It's a family Kennesaw. affair. It's a family affair. <laughs> it always is. Donna, great to see you. And we're overdue for a catch up. Uh, and we will do just that. Uh, Abdel Fattah. Via LinkedIn from Morocco. Great to see you here today. Looking forward to hearing your take. And Josh says, hey, shout out to Colombia for beating Germany over the weekend. That I guess that was uh, probably the um, the Women's World Cup, I imagine, yes. Josh. Right? Yep. All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, all right. So let's do – and yes, I knew uh, Joshua. I, I think I recognize Joshua. Great to have you here, uh, Joshua. Um, all right, so let's get back to some professional resources, Allison, and I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that my graphics package works. We'll see. Drum roll. Dr oh, yes. Yay. Yes. Okay. That's all right. right. So um, with that said, Allison is our weekly LinkedIn newsletter, um, and where I think this was episode, or this was edition number 44, almost a year doing this each week. So Check it out. The team, we had, had a great newsletter that focuses on some key perspectives related to the deal, which we're going to be talking about in a second between UPS and the Teamsters. We also offered up some uh, some other resources, really in supply chain and around supply chain, as well as some upcoming events. So y'all check that out. And we've got the link. It's easy. We've got the link right there. You can click on that. It'll take you to the, uh, the LinkedIn edition of With That Said. Allison, do you ever get a chance in all that free time you got to give With That Said a read? I do. And I like how there's, it's almost a, remember RSS feeds? I know a lot yeah. of those have gone away. 
But I like it because it's my RSS feed of of my supply chain news. Man. All right. So Amanda and Catherine, first off, thanks for making production happen. Uh, get ready. Uh, appreciate all you do. But hope you all got that, what Allison just said. We just got like a, a live recommendation, an endorsement from the one and only Allison Giddens. And hey, she's not alone. I think we're up to, uh, what are we up to here? Um, 22,396 subscribers. How about that? That's pretty that's cool. Holy cow. That's, yeah, that's great. In less than a year. Well, that's because Allison's setting the trend. Uh, you oh, well, now you've got at least one more. Probably just one more. <laughs> uh, T-Squared's with us here today. Bring on the nourishment because I'm long overdue. T-Squared, who holds down the Fort Forts on YouTube, don't you worry. We've got a lot of good stuff to get into here today. All right, a couple other quick resources, Allison's. We're moving fast. If you want to dive into the domestic freight market, right, join us. Wednesday at 12 noon Eastern time as we dive into the uh, Q2 version of U.S. Bank's Freight Payment Index. And we've got Heather Schilt from Fortive joining uh, Bobby Holland, Greg and I, and uh, stay tuned for that. And then bring your perspective, what what you see going on across the country when it comes to uh, the freight market. And I think, uh, Allison, and there's been a lot of freight in the news lately, huh? I mean, it's been like uh, this, the star of the global supply chain um, industry for years. Uh, you know what Lots I mean? Lots going on. Lots going on in that conversation. That conversation on on the second will be really interesting because you've got between UPS and UPS conversations, between uh, YRC news that we'll be talking about mm. uh, and everything else. And a lot of people um, looking at the end of fiscal years and there's a lot, a lot of moving parts. There is Allison, and and, uh, and that, that's uh, from an executive practitioner that leads a manufacturing company. Um, hey, take that to the bank. What Allison shared. So join us on Wednesday. There's a link right there to join the live session we've got uh, Wednesday and pack a sandwich and your perspective. All right, one more thing I want to hit really quick, um, Allison. You know you, we've known each other for a long time. You know that we. Uh, um, one of our core missions in this journey we're on is to serve our veteran community, our fellow veterans out there that are fighting a good fight, especially as they transition from active duty or all sorts of duty, uh, you know, whether it's in guard or active or reserve, into new private sector roles and into that private sector career. That transition is very challenging. Mary-Kate Saliva is doing outstanding work leading our Veteran Voices programming. We just wrapped season four. And it was chock full of great conversations. I picked one here, Catherine Martinez, who uh, talks about uh, service, opportunity, unity, leading, um, and and her transition. So y'all check that out. That, that was episode 76. We'll drop a link in the chat. Uh, and Allison, I know you do a lot. You, you serve, you take service and community service very seriously. We've, we've long talked about that for years. Um, you know, veterans, as they sacrifice so much, especially them and their families, right? Yes. We got to do whatever we can to give back and especially help them find new successful uh, starts and careers in the private sector, right? We share that, right? Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think it's important too, as whether you're a business owner, whether you're a business leader, is to show, help show veterans the the, the ways in which they already fit in. There was a, a great opportunity I had last week to bring on a, a friend of mine's son was home from being deployed in military. Mm. And I invited them to come to our shop. We're an aerospace machine shop. And I said, if you want to come for a tour, you can see the stuff that you have used, you, you know, that you actually put into practice um, on, on the, on the battlefield. So 
that was such a cool opportunity. And you, mm. I loved seeing the the wheels turn because as this young man starts thinking about next career options, there's I'm hoping there's less of a where do I fit in and right. more of a wow, look at the things that I already know and that the, my knowledge and my experience that applies. So, yeah, during these transition phases as as um, our men and women leave military and, and enter private sector, it, it's a no-brainer to me mm. for businesses to already show where those links are. Yes, outstanding. And as we're going to touch on later in the show, we've got to find you know any untapped aspects of the talent pipeline. We've got to double down as we're trying to find the talent we all need, especially in global supply chain, manufacturing, you name it. So well said, Allison, and I appreciate what you do, especially uh, especially as you bring folks in and out of your plant, tackling that awareness gap that exists, whether you're veterans or your school kids or, or you name it. Um, that's a big part of the battle. Um, all right. So Allison, and we should say Greg White is on assignment again here today. Uh, so we'll have Greg back soon. We're all, always missing when he's not here. But uh, hey, we life doesn't stop, right? For the buzz, life never stops. So Greg, we look forward to seeing you uh, on Wednesday, probably with the U.S. Bank uh, episode. Okay, Allison, so as you alluded to, as we get into the first story here today, big, big news, big, big news. So um, the tentative deal has been struck between UPS and the Teamsters which should avert, I say should, and I'll tell you why in a second, what would have been, what would be a catastrophic uh, labor strike. Did I say catastrophic, right? That didn't sound right. Does that sound right in your ears? Sounds, it sounds pretty intense. So yeah, I think <laughs> that works. Okay, catastrophic. Uh, the agreement was announced last week, just days prior to the July 31st deadline. Now, the Teamsters members will review the deal, kick the tires on it, and cast their vote starting August 3rd, through August 22nd. So I guess all the votes got to be in by August 22nd, which is still you know, three or four weeks from now. Now, a few takes from around industry, Allison. Hang on to your socks here. Dr. Alan Amling, friend of the show, he's been here with us uh, several shows, uh, also longtime member with the UPS team, including in senior leadership, said, quote, the Teamsters clearly checked all their boxes and came away with a strong contract they can now leverage to organize Amazon warehouse workers, end quote. Allison, you see how that uh, look over here, but just wait till we get over here. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, Jane, Jane, let's see here. McElvey, I'm going to call it. I may get that wrong. M-C-A-L-E-V-E-Y. Jane McElvey from The Nation said, quote, the biggest win in the Teamsters UPS um, agreement is an end to the two-tiered structure of the old contract which protected long-serving workers' gains in exchange for leaving new hires working on worse terms, end quote. So Jane uh, points out in The Nation that I guess the um, um, now everyone's getting grandfathered. Basically, if you join an organization after this deal goes into a place, you're not covered by a new, gr uh, new deal. Everyone, as it seems, and I haven't seen the, the final contract, is under the same umbrella. It's an interesting point, Jane. Now, the New Deal, now I'm going to get you to weigh in here. The New Deal, once ratified by the labor union vote, will be in place for five years. So my hunch, Allison, is we'll be back in a similar spot in 2028. We shall see. But Allison, your take here on the tentative deal struck between UPS and Teamsters. So I think I, I noticed that, you know, you can't just print money, right? Somebody pays for this, ultimately. So it's going to be the consumer. It's going to be the business owner. So I'm so used to receiving that 
dreaded end of year letter from whether it's UBS <laughs> or FedEx that says, you know, you're a valued customer. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and um, the next line is, and that's why we're raising your rates. Um, I, I want to say the, the article that um, we've got linked is uh, that the general rate increased last year 6.9%. And that was a full percentage point above typical 4.9 to 5.9 increases. Mm. So if, you know, if this thing goes through the way that it's sounding, we're going to see, you know, I, I'd be floored if it was only a 7% increase mm. this year. So Excellent point. You know, ultimately, it's it's going to get passed to the business owners. It's going to get passed. And then ultimately, my customer, um, who is the U.S. government. And so guess what that means? Your tax dollars. So eventually, <laughs> eventually, the consumer ultimately pays for this. I'm not saying that these are this is a bad deal. I mean, right. I, I, honestly, you know, if I'm a if I'm a worker for UPS and it's on some of these new hire, these credit terms. Um, you know, then then, yeah, they, then the union's doing doing what they should be doing and protecting workers rights. Um, it's just it's fascinating to me to see just kind of the big picture and how some of that gets alleviated because your your C-suite executives are not going to take pay cuts mm. for these kinds of things. Mm. So where do you think the dollars come from? Uh, the buck, the buck definitely gets passed multiple times to your point, Allison, and I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and I wish we had more good news as we move into uh, our second story. A quick side note, folks, check out, as Allison and I reference uh, the articles and where they all come from. This one, the first one was from Supply Chain Dive. we got an easy link. Y'all can go, uh, don't take our word for it, go read it yourself and let us know what you think. Uh, so uh, good stuff there, Allison. So as I mentioned, I wish we had more good news, but uh, this morning, uh, according to, uh, in this case, CNN.com, uh, and sticking with the freight industry, it looks like the end of the line for one of the longest carriers or largest carriers rather in the U S as reported by CNN, yellow freight has ceased all operations and plans to lay off all 30,000 of its workers, man, that, that really breaks my heart there. Um, like UPS, the company yellow freight had been in negotiations with the teamsters on a new labor contract for about 22,000 of those employees. As many know, yellow was a major player in the less than truckload LTL space. And from my experience years ago, we talked about this a little bit, uh, Allison pre-show yellow did have some of the cheapest pricing in the industry. Now the article CNN quotes Satish, uh, Jindel, I may have gotten that wrong. My apologies. Uh, he's a trucking industry consultant quoted in the article and he agrees he says yellow customers will certainly pay more as they look for alternatives uh, to ship with. So, Allison, uh, your thoughts here on looks like the demise of yellow. Well, this was sad, too, I because uh, I recognize YRC yellow. We, we've done business with them, too. Um, so that really, really stinks about so many people with with um, with lost jobs are waking up to, to find. I, I think to your point earlier, you and I were talking about some of them are waking up and realizing they don't have pensions mm. um, that they thought they had, which that's heartbreaking. That's really that's that's devastating for a lot of families. Um, I, I was reading over the weekend about some some thoughts ahead as to what this looks like for uh, market rebalance or industry consolidation. And while YRC arguably was not, you know, a, a top three um they, they were still significant. I mean, they're sure. still very big. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see what other players of that size um, and other players who maybe had similar financial health 
um, might be doing or might be looking at in terms of mergers and acquisitions and what that's ultimately going to mean for rate fluctuations for the consumer. Yeah. Good stuff there, Allison. Uh, you know, I, I got to share on a much lighter note, uh, you know, uh, 30,000 folks, whether they've been there for a year or they've been there for 20 years or something, that is that is really heartbreaking. And so hopefully they'll find other opportunities with other carriers and, and other positions. So uh, folks, um, you know, hiring managers, great, great opportunity here, uh, despite how it played out. But all of that aside, on a much lighter note, Allison, we were talking pre-show uh, back in the days, I used to uh, work with Yellow often, uh, you know, probably 15 years ago or so. Um, my CEO at this manufacturer I was working with had given me, uh, as you guessed it, an Excel spreadsheet to <laughs> to uh, evaluate all the options based on where we were sending pallets of, uh, of construction goods. And um, I'll tell you, one of my least favorite parts of that stint in my career was calling into job sites where, you know, new bus terminals were being built or, or new retail locations and working with the yellow terminal manager to find one part of what I sent in a beat up, a broken pallet on this side of the yard, uh, 17 other parts and 15 other locations that, that was never fun and in investigative work. And I got to tell you, every time I pass a yellow truck uh, since then, that's what my brain <laughs> was thinking about. But hey, oh, hey, sometimes you get, you know, when you're the, um, what's that old adage? Uh, let's see, service, delivery, and cost. Is that the, is that the, um, uh, is it, you can only have two of the three, not yes. all three? Yes. Yeah. So when you get, hey, when, when, when cost is one of those two things you select, you get stuck in those kind of cases, uh, situations, I guess. But uh, nevertheless, yep. uh, let's see here. John shares the unfortunate part is YRC's service levels had been on the decline these past few years. Maybe with better service, this could have been averted. John, uh, great point there. And I tell you, it's just um, going back to Allison's last point about um, you know some of the folks that are going to go without a pension. I saw across social, I saw some videos um, and, I, and I didn't include them because I wasn't sure, you know, you never know what's real and what isn't real and what could be staged, but it purportedly uh, showed in this one case, um, long time yellow employees finding out that their pension is gone. And man, that is just, uh, that is awful, awful news. Um, all right. Moving right along, moving right along on a much lighter note, I'll call it. Uh, we have got an outstanding event coming up, Allison, on August 16th. We've got Dan Reeve with Esker, backed by popular demand. Dan uh, Dan moves at the pace of a thousand gazelles, Allison. He does. Do you remember he when does. you and I? Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've gotten so much traction out of that one uh, little, was that a metaphor or a simile? I don't know. But regardless, <laughs> come, <laughs> come join Dan Morgan Swink, Dr. Morgan Swink with Texas Christian University, Greg and I, as we dive into key findings from TCU's Working Capital Report. That's uh, August 16th at 12 noon Eastern time. And we've got the link to that. We've dropped it in the chat to make it easy. One click away uh, for all of our attendees. Okay, Allison, in a second, we got one more story to go. And then we're going to uh, learn a, a lot of perspective from you on three key trends you got to be tracking in the manufacturing industry. So folks, stay tuned for that. But before we dive into that, let's talk drugs. Uh, Allison, let's talk drugs. That escalated quickly. 
the, <laughs> the pharmaceutical industry, the pharmaceutical industry. So as reported here by NBC News, the U.S. Senate is looking to pass a bill aimed at boosting domestic pharmaceutical production and supply. The legislation comes after a report in March earlier this year identified some 295 medications were in short supply across the country. Now, a central part of this bill, uh, this legislation, potential bill, calls for government manufacturing contracts to be sent to U.S.-based companies with domestic production sites. Now, before, Allison, I get you to comment on, on this uh, aim here, this initiative, um, I was on the FDA's website earlier as I was you know, getting some background related to this story, and um, there's a Q&A section on the FDA website. And they, they, they get, as you might guess, it goes extensively into the drug shortage. And one of the questions that they, uh, that they pose and they answer is, why do we have a drug shortage, right? And it goes into manufacturing quality and some other things, but it never references all the, the tremendous amounts of offshoring that's taken place for decades, right? Uh, for a variety of reasons to include, uh, you know, getting cheaper drugs, right? right. Uh, and and so as we've offshored all that, the infrastructure to, um, to grow the U.S.-based uh, drug industry and pharmaceutical industry, of course, that takes hits and hits and hits and hits. So we'll see the results and the outcomes from this legislation if Congress passes it. But Allison, uh, your thoughts here on what we're trying to do and what you think will be done. I think a lot of what you're seeing in the world is affecting this. Everything from, and, and it's it's not to say, you know, um, for example, uh, the China and Taiwan conflict. Mm. You know, I'm not saying that we're getting our majority of our drugs from those countries, but because of those things, other things that ripple effect, other things happen. Um, I mean, and even close to home, I, last two weeks ago, I think, there was a tornado in North Carolina with the Pfizer plant right? Uh, or with a main uh, Pfizer plant. And it was not, I think they said that it was not a manufacturing part of the warehouse, but it was where they have a, a warehouse facility for right. storage purposes. So, I mean, you know, just that alone, that could that could impact. You have, there's just lots of little things and lots of not so little things that have piled up that I think those are those are real big reasons why we're seeing what we're seeing. Agreed, Allison. And as Josh points out and echoes your thought here, now we see yeah. Josh says the ripple effect from French unrest and of course the war in Ukraine when it comes to the drug trade. And and speaking of the war in Ukraine, separate uh on, on a related but separate note, the grain deal that was in place uh that the UN and the country of Turkey had struck had had struck with Russia and Ukraine especially Russia um to allow grain shipments to still um uh you know leave port there and not be impacted by the war now that that expired a few days ago tons of concerns around how Russia may be or is weaponizing uh food trade and that's just Man, we, we got to find some good news, Alice. I'm determined wow, to find seriously, some good news today. Seriously, why couldn't we have, yeah, today. right? Uh, I don't know, I'm looking, I'm thinking. Let's, okay. let's we come up with something. All right, good, good, good. We'll, we'll make something up if we have to. Right. No, wait, I'm just kidding. <laughs> fake news, fake news. No, no, we won't make anything up, folks. Hey, but let us hear from you. You know, whether you want to comment on one of these news stories, these developments, or you want to give us some good news of your own. Share that in uh, the skyboxes there, and we'll bring that in as much as we can. 
Yeah, for the love of Pete, please share something good. <laughs> right. Please. For the love of Pete, whoever Pete is, but for love of Pete, Pete. please, please share something good. Okay, so uh, let's talk manufacturing, Alice. It's one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite sectors, one of my favorite uh, uh, crowds of people to be around or folks in the manufacturing. That's one of my favorite parts of my journey here. So we're going to get into three trends in the manufacturing industry that business leaders, again, you got to have it on your radar. So Allison, you alluded to it earlier in terms of uh, WinTech Inc., but I want to make sure for perspective and context, share a little bit more information about the organization that you lead. So WinTech is an aerospace machine shop. Uh, We're located just outside of Atlanta. We do a lot of work for national defense, um, a lot of government contracting. We're mostly a a sub-tier for bigger primes and bigger companies that ultimately do government work. We've got all of our manufacturing facility on a 22,000 square foot warehouse. Uh, We have just under 50 people that we employ and we've been around for, gosh, 35 years now. So we've seen 35 years. Hmm. It's a long time. So we do a lot of, like I said, national defense work, but we do a good bit of commercial work too that involves medical industry, construction industry. So we've seen some interesting, you know, trends and ebbs and flows and things like that. Outstanding, outstanding, uh, man! Thirty-five years. That is, uh, think through, think through for a second. As I'm thinking out loud, all that we have seen in that thirty-five years that you and the organization have persevered through uh, to grow and to find success and to serve your customers. So that is that's like a badge of honor to make it thirty-five years in the manufacturing industry. So, um, but let's move forward. Instead of looking back and celebrating for a second. Kind of where we are. We needed here. that. We needed the good. Yeah. We needed member. <laughs> I tried to find some. We needed that. You that know, was Allison. That was good. I'm going to deliver. Um, so fast forward to where we are, poised to enter in a new month, August 2023, which is just crazy as time has just flown past. I'm going to have a, a high schooler for the first time here in just a couple of days. That blows my mind. But let's uh, we you have identified uh, three key trends in the industry. Let's start with the first one: risk management. So tell us more, Allison. So risk management. In, it was funny because I tried to come up with a pithy statement for about risk management, but it really is, it touches so many different things. Right now, really as manufacturers, we're looking at the risk management of our supply chain. Uh, that's super hot right now. And it's not just managing a specific typical or a familiar risk. Mm. It's managing risk at all levels of the process. It's your employees. It's your customers. It's your vendors. It's all the links that tie things together, like transportation, like we've talked about. And there was plenty of times in the past few weeks that we were watching that UPS conversation pretty closely because as we send parts out for outside processing, for painting and anodize and, and different things like that, we would ultimately have to have those, that, those parts shipped to processors and back. Mm. So if we anticipated that happening in August, but we were making plans in July, the risk management efforts, we had to kind of come up with a game plan. Are we Mm going to have another carrier handle this? Does that mean that that carrier is going to be overwhelmed and overloaded at the last minute uh, with everybody kind of, you know, panicked and and pulling different, pulling different uh, orders in different places? So I think that's a, those are, those are key pieces in in the risk management frame. Um, The employee piece, I think is really, really important. You touched on it earlier with Veterans Voices. Um, and with conversations about employee market, employee pools, right. um, industry has got to find a way to tap into the pools that we haven't traditionally thought of. 
So risk management, what is, I, I think I saw in comments too, there was a, a a great comment about whether or not that recession's happening. I mean, manufacturers, we're seeing a ton of work, a ton of work, but whether I can find the people to do it is the question. So we've got to figure out where can we tap in? We need to tap into women in the industry. We need to tap into veterans. We need to tap into neurodiversity, mm. whole, a whole community of people who are known for for being by the book for for needing uh very for being regimented for being people that are used to routine in many cases I mean what what better employee can you think of right than somebody who follows instructions so there are all these different pieces of risk management I think that uh, manufacturers whether or not they call it risk management right now they're doing mm, excellent point Allison excellent uh, variety of points there because really um, there are, when, when I think of risk management, this came up on a couple of shows last week, there are some universal, um, elements to that, that probably regardless of your organization size or what sector you're in, you probably, that's on your risk radar. And then as you kind of point out for each organization, it can be very different in terms of what, what you manage and, and, and what is a priority for you to look at and measure regularly and maybe what's not quite as important. Uh, and I've got, got some great comments here I'm going to bring in just a second, but I would just offer up to the folks out there listening, if you haven't mapped out all your suppliers, really getting past tier one and better understanding tiers two and tier three, that can bite you. So when, you, when I think of uh, risk management, especially when you think of uh, your more traditional global supply chain manufacturing businesses, really understand and get visibility, get eyes and ears on and relationships on, not just your tier one suppliers, but um, un understanding how uh, what your tier two and tier three suppliers are going through, what their businesses are like, and what uh, how that factors into your overall risk strategy. Allison, would you yes. uh, largely agree with that? A hundred percent. You just, you hit it on the head because this morning we just had an, a beautiful example of that. Uh, we had a part that we are, we've been doing pretty good on time-wise. Customer needs it by mid-August. We have gotten a quote from a processing house that said it would take a couple weeks to paint this sucker. They have to, this specific paint, a specific process. So we sent it to them in Texas. They got the order, they quoted it. We're rocking and rolling. Just got an email this morning that their paint supplier mm. has told them they expect to see the paint in November of 2024. Wow. So here we are with, <laughs> you know, a lot of money tied up in a job that is now 90% mm. done. So these are all, like you said, we've got to, yeah, you're shipping to a processor that might be someone that your customer told you mm. to use, but you've got to keep peeling back those onion layers to look at. Where are the risks that maybe we weren't so hyper hyper aware of before, uh, but now we need to be? Yes. Even if it makes you cry, you got to keep peeling those yes. layers for to get to try to avoid and, and at least you get know. your eyes and ears on certain aspects of your overall risk. I love that example, Alice. A very timely example. Um, let's share a couple of comments here. Man, let's see. Gino says, for good news. Some news points towards the recession maybe not happening or not as bad as expected. In my manufacturing world, Gino says, that is encouraging. I'm yeah, with you. That's great. That is excellent news. That's outstanding news, uh, Gino. Yes. Uh, let's see. Ishmael is, says, uh, greetings from Africa. And I love this. Supply chain leads organizations all over the world. I agree. It is certainly a global conversation. It's a great time to be in, uh, in supply chain. Uh, John says, great point. Allison, it seems all points uh, on the supply chain have never been this volatile. Man, John, 
that sounds like some truth in in uh, in my eyes and ears at least. And Korai uh, Kose also delivering the good news here. And I'm gonna re- I'm gonna drop this and read it so uh, we can see everybody. But Korai, hope you had a great weekend. He says, okay, good news here. First Solar plans a 1.1 billion dollar investment in the uh, fifth U.S. Uh, solar panel factory, and they do not use polysilicon. He says, which is tied to modern slavery in China. I've read that uh, Korai, and we all know the fight that we've got to jump in with all resources to eliminate and eradicate modern slavery and human trafficking. Karak continues to say they use cadmium. Now, don't judge me on how I pronounce these uh, these elements, Allison. Uh, Karak says they use cadmium telluride products in part because the technology does not rely on polysilicon. Also, another innovation, one kilogram of first solar semiconductor material can be recycled. Get this. 41 times over, which translates into a use time of more than 1,200 years. So I, I love that. And my, my manufacturing brain looks at cadmium telluride and thinks, we have processing houses that do cadmium plate. Yeah. And there are not many of them out there. Okay. So you know where my brain's going. Yes, I do. I, would, I, I love when these different kind of outside the box solutions come up then my brain goes to all right now where has the bottleneck moved Mm, that's right so i i think that we we've got to stay focused on getting people trained to be able to perform processes and whether it's on the manufacturing floor whether it's in processing houses whether it's in uh scientific research and development to do these things otherwise you're going to have a lot of people looking for work without the skills to be plugged into the jobs we need them. Yes. Yes. Uh, the phrase that comes to my mind as you point that out in terms of the moving bottleneck, that's great, but that's great. But if you have a great day in, in and that's manufacturing. Why that's why I don't want to. Yeah, no. Right. And I Ask didn't want to make it like, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> except this because no, it is good. <laughs> right. Celebrate the wins, but always keep your eyes wide open for what may be in your blind spot. Uh, Kora, awesome. And by the way, uh, if going back to this point here, uh, that the semi- semiconductor material can be recycled 41 times over in the last 1,200 years or uh, when the Falcons will win their first Super Bowl. So, so oh, sad. About 1,200 years or so, wow. I imagine. Hey, football season is upon us. And um, the bandwagon Falcons fan in me is, uh, I don't know, I'm hedging my bets in terms of how many wins uh, Atlanta's going to churn out. Uh, now, Josh Goody says, having the map, you know, so mapping the suppliers we were talking about earlier, knowing current events for tier two and down, at the very least, makes it so you can empathize and communicate. Excellent point, Josh. It also makes it easier to plan and allocate for everything shy of another Suez blockage. Excellent point, Josh. Okay, so we got I got derailed there, Allison, but we're covering three trends in the manufacturing world folks got to know. And the first one was risk management, which I think we beat the heck out of, like uh, Jerry Seinfeld in that so. rental car. Uh, so what was, uh, what was number two, what's the number two trend, Allison? Number two is a manufacturer, something I'm keeping an eye on, are government regulations. Um, something that I think a lot of business owners always keep an eye on. But whether you're in automotive manufacturing, aerospace manufacturing, medical device manufacturing, you're likely following all sorts of government regulations and policies, uh, cybersecurity requirements, our requirements from Securities Exchange Commission, the mm. SEC, 
Um, not the fun SEC, not football SEC, <laughs> but uh, the boring SEC, which right. is Securities Exchange Commission. The significant impact to manufacturers' tax obligations, like when Congress decided to take away tax credits as we know them for mm. R and D, uh, that that was very that 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 hurt. Mm. Um, there are all these different things. The the Biden cybersecurity order, um, executive order that came out. Um, there was uh, manufacturers experiencing that tax hike again because of that R and D. But there are these different pieces of the regulations that. Yeah, they've always been there, but there's also a lot of stuff on the horizon that doesn't exist yet, but we need to watch. So, for example, um, a lot of AI, conversations about AI, um, it's going to be interesting to see what types of policies, what types of regulations follow that. So if you're in manufacturing of software, any any kind of things that involve technology, it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on that. Um, again, that cybersecurity thing just personally is something that I've really got my eye on because it matters so much in the national defense world. Right. But government regulations is something that truly, if you are a U.S. customer or U.S. manufacturer right now, uh, you're probably living and breathing a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Excellent point. Uh, a couple of thoughts there. You know, a second ago, uh, we were talking about the pharmaceutical industry and, and how much so much of it had been off, um, uh, outsourced around the globe. You know, if you look at the, and I know you know this firsthand, the military industrial complex here in the U.S., more and more, a lot of the the sourcing is taking place overseas. And I've, I've read lots of analysts that have been in that space for a long time, as we have provided a lot of munitions uh, to Ukraine and, and other partners, trying to rebuild that supply. It's a lot different than it was in 1982. So uh, that's something to be definitely putting our, keeping our finger on the pulse of. And then secondly, you mentioned cybersecurity. Uh, did you know, Allison, here's a did you know, did you know that the cost of the average cyber breach in 2023 is approaching five million dollars five million dollars man um all right so we've tackled risk management and we've tackled government regulations i want to share a couple quick comments here peter bolet all day all, all night and all day uh, great to see you peter great to have you back pb he says good monday afternoon just back from a few days in vegas heat was oppressive i believe that but he caught two shows and left behind a few hundred and had a blast what what two shows did you did you uh, catch, uh, Peter? And what was your game? You left behind a few hundred bucks. What was the game you're playing? And remember, always bet on Red 19. Allison, when you go to Vegas, Red 19 on the roulette table, okay? Okay, let me write that down. <laughs> write that down. Inside baseball, tips, tips for all of our friends. And Veronica enjoys a little subtle and friendly dig at our hometown Atlanta Falcons. Hope you're well, Veronica. Great to see you here today. All right. So, Allison, I'll take it by your response there. You don't play uh, roulette when you go to Vegas? Uh, I'm more of a cheap slot machine. Okay. All right. I was thinking if I can kind of go with a set dollar amount, knowing that that's going to be the money that I'm using to entertain myself for the next few hours. <laughs> and then just counting on losing it. <laughs> you got to. It's, 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 it's entertainment. It's not investment, right? Uh, exactly. Well, at, at a future show, we'll have to uh, dive into the um, the annual um, contest you and your family do uh, related to casinos. That's always a fun story. Um, all right. So, again, risk management and government regulations. And the third one, we're talking more technology. So, Allison, uh, share more there. Yes. So, number three on the list of things that I'm really looking at uh, from a manufacturing perspective, um, just an industry is technology. So 10 years ago, technology on a manufacturing shop floor meant the latest and greatest CNC machine is essentially what that meant. It meant look ahead tooling. It meant 
uh, maybe five axis. Uh, today, it's all that, but it's another layer of, of that. Um, it's Internet of Things. It's artificial intelligence. It's finding ways to automate, run more efficiently, more effectively, uh, working smarter, not harder. Logistics are arguably more complicated for larger mm. companies, but the cash and resource limitations in a small business are just as problematic. Mm. So you have all these different things in a small business kind of working against you when you don't have the cash to invest, you know, $400,000 on a new state-of-the-art machine when you've got a machine out there that's probably seeing better days, but mm. it's paid off and it's doing its job. But it's not just about keeping up with the Jones. It's we have to remember if we go back to that first point of attracting workforce and finding new employees, the next generation doesn't want to work with the old crap. Mm. Excuse excuse my French. Um, <laughs> they want to use, you know, they, they've in, in many cases in some schools, they've learned on some newer products or, you know, they've already got the aptitude to pick up on the new stuff. Right. So, you know, it, it, only 24 percent on a Forbes article I read recently only 24% of manufacturers say that they have a digital transformation strategy. Mm. So, you know, you got your buzzword, your digital transformation strategy. What does that mean for a manufacturer that's got, you know, 47 employees? Um, it means basically, what are you doing about technology, period? Yeah. What are you doing? Um, I, I think that the, the technology piece for a lot of different companies looks a lot different, but you've got to come up with some sort of strategy, even if it's hey, I don't have any money to do anything about this right now. Okay, well then, what's the game plan for when you do? That's right. That's right. And uh, not only do your organizational leaders want to know the, your, the answers to that question, but top talent, as you alluded to, Allison, they don't, to use your French, they don't want to work with old crap. That is so right. They want, they expect more and more that uh, organizations that they want to work with are, are using the latest and greatest proven technology. And hey, Late breaking news flash, Allison. Using more Excel spreadsheets is not digital transformation. I love spreadsheets, though. <laughs> we all do. We all do. That's why it's such a cliche, right? Uh, I'll probably have free pulled up right now as I as yeah, I talk out of both sides work. of my mouth. Right. They do. They do. However, in this day and age, as you know, and as you're speaking to, and as we all know, uh, we, we got to loosen our cling on spreadsheets and really learn some new powerful ways, especially for our people, that we can take pressure off of our people and, and, and take some manual work out of the blocking and tackling and really embrace uh, modern technology in so many different ways. It's such an incredible time. That, ele that el element alone when it comes to global business, Allison, I find absolutely fascinating. Um, all right. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to share a couple of comments here. And Ganesh has a question for you and, and we can always take it offline, but I'll pose that as well. So let's see here. So I asked Peter Bollet, um what shows he went to. Now he says he went to the Michael Jackson one show in Vegas and then get the second one, a risky adult variety show that was under you know, a tent. It's funny when you asked which shows I thought, uh oh, one of them's <laughs> going to be non-work safe. Oh gosh, Allison, that is so, so funny. And Peter, thanks for playing along. We're overdue for a catch up and I hope you had a wonderful, I bet, I'm sure you played some golf out there in Vegas. He is a great golfer, Allison. Um, Gino makes a great point. Yes. Customers do want it too, right? Yeah. Your employees want it. Your suppliers want it. Your customers want it. Your business leaders want it. That's why it's in demand. That's why we have to. And I think a really important element here, Allison, and feel free to weigh in is that demand that we're all talking about 
is one of the reasons I would I would uh, uh, propose that business leaders are like, oh, shiny object syndrome, and they're grabbing this new technology and that new technology. And of course, we can't do it that way, right? We got to right. figure out what the business problem is, and then apply in a very targeted and deliberate and measured basis. It doesn't mean you, you got to move slow, but you know, if you don't take that successful, deliberate approach. You're not going to have the adoption you need, right? Your team's not going to use the investment. And then where are you at? We talked about that last week. Allison, your quick comment there. And then I'm going to pose this question to you from Ganesh. For sure. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And there's, we've all been on the other side of that, right? Where you go to, to be a customer, be a consumer of something that is new and cool and ooh, this technology. And oh, for example, I can give you a good example. This past weekend, I had a question of something I bought online. I emailed their support. I got some automated email that told me, you know, please comment back with your order number above this line. And I did that. And then I got another automated email with the same thing. So I was set to like this infinite loop. So, you know, yeah, we've got to know how we're working the technology before we implement the technology. So well said, uh, Allison. And I love your practical examples. Uh, That really brings context to these discussions. And, uh, And, you know, it's a... Um, we talk about, I talk about that regularly, probably too much as a consumer, which we all are. It's so interesting to see what companies are doing to uh, those that, that, that are uh, really good at it in terms of focusing on how to enhance the customer experience, leveraging their supply chain, in-store experience, whatever. And then those companies (laughs) that do not care. And you know that by, you know, by, um, uh, shopping there and then probably never going back. But Allison, great example. Uh, John says, amen, Scott chasing digital for the sake of, for the sake of it is not good. That's right, John. I completely agree with that. And so Ganesh, uh, hi, Allison, what are the challenges you see for implementing those new technologies? So assuming that the technologies are understood in the first place, I see three main challenges when it comes to being a business owner in manufacturing resource constraints on time, people, and money. People, because even if you had the time, even if you had the money, sometimes you, you might not have the personnel to implement or to carry it carry it forward. Uh, money constraint, that's kind of an obvious one right there, right? I mean, cash flow in a small business is often invested into things that we can immediately see return on investment. And if you don't necessarily understand the technology and how that's going to make an immediate impact to some business owners, it can be a, a, a slower, slower argument. Um, and then the time, the time argument of, you know, I would love, I would love to implement a new ERP right now. Um, but besides the whole money <laughs> impact and besides the people impact time, I'm putting out too many other fires. Right. Small business owners, we don't have time to be doing what's way down on the list. We're putting out the fire, right or wrong. It is what it is. You know, we could have podcast after podcast talking about how <laughs> business owners need to time management better. Okay, well, when the government regulations are on my radar, mm. when I'm managing the risk of my supply chain, you know, when all these things are happening, um, there's certain things that you just have to prioritize. That's right. Oh, constantly, constantly, constantly. Uh, and yes, Dave, you make a great point. That resistance to change, I still yep. everywhere. We're all humans. Humanity still, for at least the last I checked, still runs this mm-hmm. globe until uh, our, our robotic overlords are here to yep. run well, it and that's for us, what I maybe. prefaced it. 
that's why I prefaced it too with the assuming you understand the technologies. Yes. You know, I mean, that's first and foremost. We can't use the resource constraint argument unless we have first established that the the new technology is needed, uh, worthwhile, you know, checks all those boxes, understood that the leadership's ready to pull the trigger. But these following things are what's preventing us from doing so. Yes, well said, and, and great call out there, Dave. Uh, uh, speaking of our robotic or our uh, machine overlords at some point, AI overlords, whatever you want to call it, uh, just Friday, and Catherine and Amanda, if y'all could drop my link uh, to uh, my weekly good news, I was talking about um, last I checked, you know, humans were still uh, could, do, could still uniquely do human things until, and all this was based on me uh, celebrating and kind of reminisce and kind of um in a way that you know when you're first when your oldest hits high school man i want to celebrate but also it takes me back to when they're toddlers and babies and so much younger because where does time go and so i was talking about how well as of right now until the iphone 28 can look down at the iphone 29 and and brag on (laughs) his or her offspring you know until that can happen still humans can still only do or, or, or still do uniquely human things. And that is, that is a lot of good news, right? Cause that's what we're, as we're talking about Allison's, we're talking about leveraging technology and automation and all the latest and greatest in our organizations. Best news there is how it frees up the human element to do those uniquely human things. I don't know if my mention came full circle there, but that's where, that's where I was trying to get to go. I, I get to Allison. All right. So before we wrap here today on a special episode of the supply chain buzz, uh, with an extra heaping dose of manufacturing, one of my favorite industries. Um, Allison, how can folks connect with you and WinTech? Best way to do it is through LinkedIn. Uh, connect with me there. Follow me there. Um, I'm much more likely to hit accept to a connection if you give me some context on how we connect. So be, make sure to include a message in there and and say how, how we know each other. Um, but yeah, LinkedIn's the best way. So reach out. Power of context, and y'all are hiring, Allison. I don't, know if, I don't know if it was in the pre-show or if it was during the live show, especially machinists and other talent, right? Machinists, uh, CNC operators, CNC programmers. We are hiring for both of those. So, uh, yeah, check us out. Uh, if I can send you info, let me know. Otherwise, our website has also got the information, win-tech.net. Win-tech.net. Check that out, and I bet we'll drop that in the comments. Uh, speaking of, uh, yeah, check out uh, my good news every Friday morning on LinkedIn. I'd welcome your comments there uh, as I was trying to um, recall what I was writing about on Friday. Does it ever happen to you, Allison? Uh, All the time. All the time. <laughs> like it was five years ago, and it was just Friday morning. Um, <laughs> 72 hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, Allison, a pleasure. Uh, I love when you join us for the buzz. Of course, we we do other shows together. I love your perspective and uh, your expertise in the industry that we all love that has such a massive, I mean, you you point to any country in the world, if they've got a strong manufacturing sector, good things are happening, right? Good things are happening. It's so important to the economy and and all the parts of of our journey. So folks, so Allison, thank you very much for joining us here today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Uh, big thanks to Catherine and Amanda, of course, behind the scenes. Big big thanks to all the folks that showed up and brought comments and questions. Thank you so much. That That's my favorite part of these live events that we do. I hope y'all, all of y'all have a wonderful week ahead. But most importantly, hey, take something 
Allison brought a truckload of goodness here today, a truckload of brilliance, takes at least one thing she shared, put it into action. Deeds, not words. And on that note, on behalf of our entire team here, Scott Luton challenging you, do good, give forward, and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here at Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now.